Yeah, and I mean, I, I think you bring up a good point. I mean, there are some things that I think I should do that people have been urging me to do, like we were just talking before we started filming about like not stockpiling things, but getting some supplies. Like I'm not worried about having 47 rolls of toilet paper. I'm not that regular. You really want to avoid going and building yourself a bunker. You don't want to go that extreme. You don't want to go underground like it's a nuclear fallout and you want to have like 7,000 cans of black beans and 40 bags of rice that are five pounds each. But you also don't want to go and lick a subway pole. Hey guys, welcome to the latest episode of Fulfillionaire Live. I've got a mix up for you today. I've brought one of my greatest friends in the world, Jason Goldberg in. And we're gonna do sort of a, a random-ish show inspired by Tim Ferriss, where I'll just have him on regularly and we can talk about the things that are going on in the world today. Today's March 12th, 2020. So we're gonna talk about the Voldemort illness going around, the new bear market that started as of yesterday. A little bit about the money 10 day challenge that I'm on right now. The vlogumentary should be coming out actually quite soon because it's day three. So by the time you guys are seeing this and girls are seeing this, gals, women, people, everyone, humans. everyone, I don't care what your gender is. Yeah, humans. Everyone that's seeing this, humans or potentially pets. Animals Some people too. watch it with their pets. That's true. Yeah, it's a thing. Yeah, you should. And so I'm really excited to share this episode with you. We get into all sorts of craziness. There's lots of beautiful wisdom that's shared in really entertaining ways. There are some raunchy jokes. So if you're watching with children under the age of 10, you might want to look out for that. Earmuffs, everybody, earmuffs, and enjoy. I suppose to kick it off and give us sort of a path or a guideline to go through, mm -hmm. my entire channel is right now on this topic of what it's like becoming a fulfillionaire. Mm. So my, my series right now is all these eight different categories of life, doing 10 day challenges and targeting building the habits so that I can become fulfilled in all eight categories mm -hmm. and inviting people along for the journey. Cool. So awesome. I've got the Facebook groups that do each challenge with me right now. In the money group, we've got 39 people nice. in the Facebook group, all participating. It's very active right now. That's awesome because of where the economy is at. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the focus when I had created the money challenge a week ago before this bear market took over mm -hmm. was to build the habit of reading about money mindset, consuming videos and content about money mindset, sharing that with the whole group. Then it was going to be about wealth journaling, ideas of how to earn more income, ideas of how to save more income, looking at all of your monthly expenses, like the Netflix and stuff. What can you cut? Mm -hmm. Can you share it with like your seventh cousin? You know, that right. type of thing. <laughs> which we which, all do, just added which we all do. Foot. Yeah, exactly. And then it was also going to be um, with our extra earnings and our extra savings, we were getting people encouraged to put the money to be held in their investment account, mm -hmm. not to be invested, right. but to be held in that account. So Maybe for me, so. I'm moving the bulk of my, uh, let's just say checkings account mm -hmm. over to that account because it's, it's accessible within 24 hours, except for weekends, right? Okay. So basically it's less than 24 hours to get your money out of the investment account mm -hmm. if it's not invested. And so I was like, it makes total sense. Like it's not making any money in my checking account. Right. Why wouldn't I just keep it in the investment account? So if I get good ideas, I can invest it. And then I know many full-time investors who are really good at this stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, a few of which who are actually in this Facebook group helping everyone, which That's is really nice. cool. That's so really cool. we started doing these Zoom calls and stuff to start talking about investing. That's awesome. And it seems like investing is like taking over mm -hmm. this 10 day challenge because we just entered the, the bear market of 2020. Mm -hmm. You know, the first bear market since really 2009. Is it really been that long? 
really has. We've had some corrections along the way, but yeah. the corrections were very sudden, and then they and then they popped back up. How's Zoom doing? Uh, Zoom is one of the only ones that's like neutral-ish. Is it? Okay. They'll go down 2% or up 2% or oh, 3%. Okay. I thought they were going to go up a lot more. Uh, everyone thought that, but yeah. the interesting thing that I'm learning, uh, being educated by these investors mm -hmm. and watching the market, is that the stock price is not causation from the revenue or the popularity of whatever the company is. Interesting, okay. It's not directly reflected on how well the company is doing. So let's say Zoom doubled its sales. Mm -hmm in this bear market where everyone's trying to liquidate and pull their money out, it's still going to go down. Mm. Because even though they're going to do well, it the thing that the, the stocks rely on is like you're essentially trying to predict people's confidence in a business. Right. And trying to predict where people are going to try to put their money to make money. Mm. And if you can put your money there first and other people start putting their money there, you will make money. Right. Right. And so that's that's really the name of the game, it seems like so far. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So really it's it's crazy because you can't really predict it. And that's the whole point. They say um, the bull takes the stairs, but the bear takes the window. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. So that's right now we're like mid-jump, like, <laughs> and the bear is coming down to the ground. Yeah, yeah, in slow-mo. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Shit, that's really interesting. Jason and I have been friends since 2017, and he's a big guy talking about playful prosperity uh, joy, happiness. He's a comedian. He's a Jewish rapper, right? All these great things. And so he's just an ideal person where I think our personalities vibe pretty well together, especially on camera. Yep. So to be, it'll be good. I think healthy for all of us to have Jason come in on a regular basis and do these like whatever shows we're going to call what we should. This is our goal. Okay. Yeah. By the end of this filming, we should have a name we should have for a whatever name. this it'll, is. It's going to come. It's going to be yeah. so easy. Yeah. yeah. It's going to come. I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I th it's going to, I have some ideas already. It's gonna, it's, it's gonna, gonna arrive. It's gonna arrive. <laughs> it's going to, it's going to be present. It's, it's gonna, gonna present arrive. itself. We're to gonna us. get in trouble for this. I'm going to be practicing restraint. This is actually my thing. We can make this into a drinking game. Every time I make a joke that would make you uncomfortable to hear around your parents, you take a shot. But you take a shot of like green juice. Okay. Does that work? That's, that's totally. Or fair. you take a shot of keto up, which this is my first time having this. It's actually really good. Yeah. How how much have you had? Uh, I haven't had uh, like this much. Okay. Wait, oh, okay. Is there is there like a turning point where I'm gonna it's like instant. Hulk out so or this, something? The the thing about the keto up is that it's like it's literally like instantaneous, like plus or minus three minutes. It's a really good flavor. Like usually these things have to me like a little bit of a almost like a tinny, like, like a chemically, a, a chemically. Mm -hmm. This doesn't taste like that at all, mm -hmm. which is really surprising. And it, it's also not overly carbonated. I don't like to do carbonated drinks, mm -hmm. but it's it's not. Overly oh, you're carbonated. right about that actually. Yeah, because it's not like like some sparkling waters. I you pop it open and you're like. <gasps> Yeah, what? people so who chug soda. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? How, oh, how does your esophagus yeah. work? This doesn't make sense to me. Well, and you know, Coca-Cola can clean like anything. Dude, okay, so do you know uh, the the barrels of the actual syrup cannot go in Coca-Cola trucks because it's corrosive, and they'd have to put corrosive on the side of the truck. So Coca-Cola and Pepsi also transfers their syrup in unmarked trucks that say corrosive. No way. Fact. Well-known fact. Yep. Okay. Because imagine our big old Pepsi truck that just has corrosive on the side of it. Mm -hmm. People would freak out. I feel like, you know, the more and more this gets popular, yeah. you could capitalize on this with a branding thing where it's just like Coca-Cola with a corrosive sign just saying something like, I'm corrosive. Yep. You know, and be like, what up? Because anyone who's drinking it at that point is like wanting to rep, rep, rep yeah. that and yeah. they don't care. Yeah. You know, like the teenagers are going to be like, yes. Yeah. yeah. You know. It's a good business idea. So anyways, about these modern day events. Yes. Let's There's talk so many. about... The illness that shall not be named. 
The Voldemort of illnesses? Yeah, the Voldemort yeah. of illnesses yeah. right now. Yeah. It's March 12th, 2020. Yep. How has this been going for you? Yeah. What's the impact on you and your community? Yeah, it's interesting. Like, I... I haven't been too worried about, see, I was, I was raised, and you know this about me, I was raised by a Jewish mother who I love to death. Um, death being a keyword, no, I'm kidding. Uh, I, I love her so much. And she is, um, she is a Jewish mother, so she freaks out about stuff, right? Like I always say, the day that WebMD was released was the worst day of my life. Right, because I think, like literally, for two weeks, I think she thought she had testicular cancer, just based on symptoms. I'm like, Ma, you don't have, that's, it's just not, you, you can't, you can't do it. It's not a thing. So, so, you know how they say sometimes when you're raised, like if you're raised by an alcoholic parent, either you become an alcoholic or you never touch alcohol because you had an alcoholic parent. So for me, since I had a mom who would like rush me to the doctor no matter what, you can either be a thing where you're like, hop a contract, everything, I'm going to the doctor, or you can be like me, where I could be bleeding from the eyes and I'll be like, oh, walk it off, it's fine. So like, I, I haven't been really freaked out about the virus at all, except for what the media is doing to scare all of us. So it's like every time I try to just be rational and be like, this is a version of the flu. The flu has been around for ages. It kills people. The flu in general and different strains kill people every year. This one just ha has a more, a more powerful marketing engine behind it, mm -hmm. which is like, it's for business as well, right? There's so many people who do the exact same thing. Whoever has the best marketing engine wins. Well, right now the fear mongering marketing engine is winning. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not buying into it. And if I get, and I also have the privilege of being a fairly healthy, fairly young-ish guy. Uh, in a developed world with access to medicine and food and clean water and all these things. So I'm not saying it's not a thing for everybody, but for me personally, I'm, do I'm doing the things I should be doing. Getting good sleep, drinking a lot of water, washing my hands, trying to be as healthy as possible with my eating, stuff I should be doing anyways. So I do have more economic concerns than I do health concerns. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a, that's a shared sentiment among the bulk of at least Americans, yeah. is that the economic fallout already is is looking to be more um, catastrophic yeah. than the actual um, illness that the Voldemort um, itself. Yeah. So in that respect, um, I know a few people uh, who have relatives that already have uh, the illness, right? So a lot of them are like the older generation. So you know, this is this is going to be a. It's definitely going to be like sad. Yeah. You know, like these are people that wouldn't have gotten the flu and just died. So there's something different happening here. Cause it's like, when's the last time you had anyone in your extended community you knew it was like, wow, they died of the flu. I've never, never, never right? had anybody. But yeah. the numbers of flu death are so high. How have we, I've never heard of that. Yeah. Where now I'm like, oh, I've got like three or four people in my community right now that it's, it's very real. They might awesome. die, yeah. you know? And I'm like, yeah. so there is something different about it. Yeah. I'm not sure, you know, statistics are going to reveal themselves over time. Right now in America, we've, we've got something like 2000 cases confirmed, but I know testing is very low right now. Like there's probably, there's people like Seth Godin put out a really big post about it. Mm -hmm. um, oh, did he really? Yeah. I didn't yeah. see that. What did he say? What was his, what was um, his like angle on the whole thing? Everyone's saying like generally the same thing, which is, um, number one, the fear mongering is, is of course like bad, right. but number two, it's better to be like the, I told you so deviant or uh, deviation mm -hmm. between like, I told you so it wasn't a big deal. Um, and you like ran away and hid and like stockpiled all this stuff. It's like you ran away, hid and stockpiled all this stuff and not a big deal. Right. The, I told you so deviation of like lots of people get really sick. Yeah. Um, you're, you're containment area in different cities and you have 
limited access or you can like China right now go out one day a week to get groceries. Mm -hmm. The I told you so to the people who weren't worried about it is a huge deviation. That's so I'm like, really it's better to be safe right. than it is to be on the other side of I told you. I'd rather people say I was silly for like overreacting. Right. Um, than underreacting, right. you know what I mean? So Yeah, and I mean, I, I think you bring up a good point. I mean, there are some things that I think I should do that people have been urging me to do, like we were just talking before we started filming about, like not stockpiling things, but getting some supplies. Like I'm not worried about having 47 rolls of toilet paper. I'm not that regular, uh, but but I, I do think like, you know, frozen foods and, and, and uh, you know, like protein bars or like things that aren't perishable. Um, it's a good idea to have those and they'll get eaten if nothing happens Correct. in the future exactly. as well. Exactly. So, yeah. So yeah. I'm down for that. So it's not about like panicking and like changing your whole life, but it is like, oh, just be smart. Um, right. I heard John Oliver came out with an episode about it mm -hmm. and he was like, you need to be, I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember his exact analogy on one side of it. I do remember the other one. Can you be a panicky Brit while you do it? Uh, if you really want to pull I, John Oliver. You know, like I can do two accents. I can do my moonflower accent. I, I love your moonflower. Which is the hipster, um, like coffee boy, Man like bun, flamboyant Total man bun, man right? bun yeah, yeah, yeah. you know that whole thing, yeah. um, which is a side of my personality. Yeah, totally. And then Skipper, yeah. which is like my old country Texan because I grew up in Texas. Yeah. Accent. So, um, what was the thing that I was going to potentially do in this accent? Uh, John Oliver's uh, rant on. Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. Which, which, which voice? I feel like, like I feel like Flower Child is too expected. Okay. So I feel like Skipper needs to take this Got one. it, Skipper. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, so yeah. let me remember the, the two things. It's you really want to avoid going and building yourself a bunker. You don't want to go that extreme. You don't want to go underground like it's a nuclear fallout. And you want to have like 7,000 cans of black beans and 40 bags of rice that are five pounds each. But you also don't want to go and lick a subway pole, if you know what I'm saying. So somewhere between these two extremes of reacting to this uh, Voldemort virus... <laughs> I love that it's a Voldemort virus. I know you wouldn't expect me at 84 years old to be having, uh, you know, Harry Potter references in my speech, but uh, I love those books. I was 71 when they came out and it was fantastic. Uh, you, you definitely don't want to be taking public transportation right now. Um, if you have to, that's okay. Just make sure you're, you're getting your sleep, you're getting your water, and you're staying healthy. I just want to say that I just figured out the name for our show. What is the name? It's called Don't Lick a Subway Pole. <laughs> That's this episode. I think all the episodes should just be called that oh, because God. it's us okay. just diving into the most unexpected things from the most unexpected angles. Yes. And I've never ever heard the statement ever diving in my into life. the most unexpected things at the most unexpected angles is something we are familiar with, isn't it? Is it? Isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't, isn't it? You stop it. You stop. Now, to be clear, I'm not making funny of any of these voices. No. These are sides of my personality totally. that are very real. I have all these same sides. I drink $8 coffees. It's a real thing. Do you thing. really? Something's sometimes, wrong Sometimes, sometimes. Well, but bear kidding. in mind, I have paid up to eleven eighty-five for a cup of coffee. Okay. It was a pumpkin spice latte with raw coconut milk from Erwan. Okay. Well, you said... If you had led with from Erewhon, I would have said, "Wow, you had a coupon. It was only eleven fifty. That's amazing. That's eleven eighty five. Eleven eighty five. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, but if you if you do if you add the oat milk, mm -hmm. if you have it blessed by a shaman, 
if you have it if you have it stirred uh, by a, uh, a, a, a a stick that's made out of uh, rose quartz, mm -hmm. and then you have somebody rub a yoni egg around the outside of the cup. Well, and they had to charge the rose quartz in the full moon that happened on the ninth. That's the March. worst. Have you, yeah, yeah. Do you know how long it takes to charge a rose quartz? Like, I need my coffee like now, and I'm like, guys, I don't have time. I don't have. Two I can't wait for the next wait. full moon. I can't. I can't wait. I can't yeah. wait for Mercury retrograde. I can't <laughs> wait for Saturn return. I need caffeine. That's all I need. Oh, it's so great, and it's it's even greater because I went to a full moon ceremony recently. Love it. Love doing all the shamanic journey yeah. stuff. It's great. Um, would I stir my coffee with the rose quartz? I don't know if that would corrupt my rose quartz, to be honest. Ooh, and so like, question. I need to look into that. I need to ask my shamanic elders about this. This is, these are conversations that you will only hear in Los Angeles. There's nobody in Arkansas right now, right? And this is not because they're like unevolved. They're actually smarter than us because they're talking about stuff that matters. We're talking about charging rose quartz. Yep. So if Baltimore's going to hit anywhere, it should hit here. This is it. fair. This is fair. We should be wiped out. But my rose quartz will protect me. Yes, I totally will. As long or as is that charged. my clear quartz? Now, is Which your, one is it? Does your My rose quartz takes the same cable as my iPhone to charge it? Does okay. yours have the same? No, it doesn't. No, I, no okay. I have the old school one. Okay. Yeah, okay. They, they took out the lighting port. Oh, that's that's. So they stupid. added that for the new ones. That's dumb. Yeah, yeah. I have like the... the it's like the 47 BC model. Oh, so you don't have like the one with the wireless charging either. No, nothing. Uh, the wireless no, charging. Super old. Wireless charging your rose quartz, game changer. Well, they have this thing where it's like you can you can do the upgrade plan yeah. on your rose quartz. Yeah. And so every full moon gets you one cycle closer. Yeah. It's yep. called RQ2. It's, ah. it's the upgraded rose quartz. Ah. It's like the iPhone 11 and they have like, yeah. yeah. So yeah. to continue on this Voldemort illness. Yep. Yep. Um, so the financial. Want, I really want to watch Harry Potter now. Like, do you, I, no, totally. Okay, should we totally. stop this? And go I don't watch know Harry about Potter? like episode seven and eight because those were dark, dark oh, AF. Really dark. Yeah, they were yeah, dark AF. Absolutely That's dark. Yeah. But like you know, four, five, six. Totally. Like super great. I mean, seven and eight. I feel like I do want to watch, but only if it was following four, five, and six. Because I, I need some of the light to balance out that darkness or to harmonize with the darkness. That's a good call. Mm. Anyways, financial collapse based on Voldemort. Please continue. Yes, anyways. <laughs> so it's interesting because what we're seeing right now is just the bear market, mm -hmm. right? We're seeing a big sell-off. Everyone's trying to liquidate all their assets right now. Um, man, there's so much to talk about with this. So the stock market's having this reaction, right? Mm -hmm. Which is like a good portion of long-term investing for people around the world, mm -hmm. right? But then we talk about real estate and then we talk about like equity and private companies. And these pretty much encapsulate where people put their money mm -hmm. aside from commercial businesses, yeah. right? Like you own like 17 laundromats right. and not the real estate property, but the laundromat itself. Right, right. The fallout is going to get really interesting. There's a potential that if this Voldemort virus like goes away really quickly, mm -hmm. like say they keep saying that maybe in the spring, if it gets warmer in a lot of places, that that will alleviate it like any other flu. Mm -hmm. And if that's true, that could be really interesting. We might see a spike back up in the economy and everything, and then not much to worry about. It, this will just be a fun story to tell 20 years from now. Mm -hmm. We'll be like, wow, remember the time where we, we took a huge dive mm -hmm. and there was a lot of fear around preventing it, which I do think it's very healthy that they're canceling all these things and putting in these quarantine zones so that we don't end up like mainland China or Italy right. and they're doing it way ahead of time yeah. and that's the good side of the yeah. fear-mongering is that everyone's like really trying to get ahead of it mm -hmm. and then again the I told you so of like if we get way ahead of it and then we rebound the economy not a lot of people got super sick not a lot of our our elders died you know that's awesome yeah right. versus the 
everyone calm the F down, start licking subway poles, right. you know, and just act like everything is normal. Yeah. And like everyone's taking the subway in New York and everyone's taking public transport. Everyone's going on the airplanes, right? Yeah. We might see, you know, 10 times, 20 times, 30 times the amount of infections. Granted, in America, it may not kill most people, right. but that's also assuming they can go to the hospital, be treated. And we just, you know, there's only a certain load, like all hospitals, all my nurse friends, all my doctor friends right now mm -hmm. are like, there's no way we could handle the extra influx of people because um, I heard in Italy, they already instituted something where they're like prioritizing cases. Really? Yeah. So it's like if wow. you're over the age of like 72, and I'm paraphrasing this data, but like if you're over the age of a certain amount and you have a pre-existing health condition, mm. they can't prioritize you in mm. treatment. Interesting. Which basically means like if you're in the super warning zone, we need to take care of the people that have a better chance. And right. I'm like... Whoa, yeah, that's... that's in the Western world. Like, granted, Oof. this is potentially healthy for culture as well mm -hmm. to just be aware that things like this can happen. Right. And to really, you know, I feel like another taboo thing is like 9 11 mm -hmm. for the younger generation or right. now the older generation, but the, you know, like the millennial crowd yeah. and like Gen X. That was definitely like a set us straight mm -hmm. moment where there was a lot of fear, right? There was a lot of like, we wanted that like retribution as a culture right. and we really we really wanted to pick ourselves up off the ground and i think this might be a similar thing for the next generation which is uh potentially going to have good impacts in the long run you know? well that, that was actually a big thing for me man and I've, I've mentioned this a bunch of times like the in the days and weeks after 9 11 it was so inspiring to see how we came together as a country and it, there was no like race creed color financial status socioeconomic stuff like none of that played into it and then unfortunately, a few months later, we were back to all the infighting and hating each other again. And it, and it sucks that something, it takes something big like that to bring us together. The challenge I have with this one is that it doesn't feel, the, the Voldemort doesn't feel unifying. It feels even more divisive. It feels even more like stay away from everybody, stay away from each other, don't support anybody because you're putting yourself at risk. And so I think there does need to maybe be, maybe there does need to be a little more uh, consideration and conversation around compassion in this in this time period like everybody i feel is rightfully so everybody's kind of looking out for themselves unless they have like small children or aging parents then maybe they're looking out for those people but like i don't think there's i don't feel like a lot of collectivism around this right now for people i don't feel like not people yet. are really looking out for each other yeah not yet so not maybe yet. that maybe that shifts at some point i'm i'm hopeful that the coming together the collaboration that type of energy will happen during this whole thing i'm hoping that It'll not be a big deal, you know, we'll lock things down. Yeah. You know, the NBA already suspended all the games, yeah. you know. MLB too, right? I think Major League Baseball is also. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm, I, yeah. I didn't see all the updates. Yeah. There's so much happening right now. Like every hour, there's so many updates. And then I've got the kids in Tulane in New York thinking about leaving. And like, you know, I'm over here in L.A. There's, there's just many factors. And in L.A., I feel like it's not a big deal. Um, we just don't have as much going on. We don't have any real public transport. This right. is the one time where it's a great thing that we don't have public transport. Right. So I'm hoping that it's not going to go down the road of like lots of grandparents die, Yeah. you know, in yeah. these major cities. And that's what ends up bringing us together that we can all, you know, relate to each other through that. I hope that's not the case. Yeah. But that's a road that could potentially happen. And, you know, I think just preparing uh for that but still you know marching onwards with inspiration like i find myself going into these tunnels where i'm like i spent 10 hours today thinking about all these worst case scenarios and kind of planning because i just haven't thought about them before yeah. 
And I wonder, like, is it healthier to do that and be prepared? Or is it healthier to keep following inspiration and keep trying to create things and create opportunities in my life like I normally do pre-Voldemort uh, and pre-Bear Market? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think anything that keeps you moving forward, right? It's like this is, um, this is like uh, kind of the equivalent of trust but verify. Right, where you, we talk about like, trust but verify is like I trust you and I'm gonna check your work just to make sure everything looks okay. To me, it's kind of the same thing. Like I can trust that everything's gonna work out okay, and I can take precautions. Right, so it's like when people say, um, uh, "Oh, I don't, I don't wear a helmet uh, on a motorcycle because when it's your time, it's your time." I'm like, "You're a moron," because like you could potentially lower the likelihood that it's your time if something happens by simply putting on a helmet. So it doesn't make you uh, more sophisticated or more in the present moment or more in touch with life to put yourself in harm's way and then let the universe take care of it or not, uh, I say do exactly what you're saying. Like be aware, be hyper aware, be vigilant even, uh, and continue taking steps forward as if you normally would. S&P 500 just yep. passed negative 8% for the oh, day. Oh shit, really? Mm -hmm. I do have some positive news from okay. the Voldemort illness. I, in my 10 day challenge money group, we're doing the 10 day challenge for March, right? We're on day three right now. There is someone in my group who lives in Italy, who's in quarantine right now, oh, wow. who was like trying to figure out and doing the wealth journaling, figuring out ways they could make extra income during the challenge, because that's one of the tasks we're doing, you know? And she figured it out and she did a Facebook Live and she made an extra 480 euros in one hour. That's amazing. On top of her normal income. That's awesome. Whoa, that's in crazy. Italy, in quarantine. What a boss. I remember this question actually when we did uh, the Avengers Summit in Austria uh, and you did like a wealth, like it was a, was it just, was it's it like just wealth based? Mindset. Yeah, money mindset like training for us, like a small group. And I remember you asked a question in there that I, I really loved and it was like, what's something that you could do to make extra money in an hour that wouldn't take a ton of like time or stress or energy or whatever else. I think it's such a like a powerful question to ask because it puts us in a place of possibilities. And that's one of the things for me, like I don't, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of positive thinking. I like possibilities based thinking because to me positive thinking is either like head in the sky or head in the, in, in the, in the ground. Mm -hmm. uh, in the sand. Like the subway pole. Like the subway pole. Or. Yeah, yeah, it's just the subway pole. It's all the subway pole. Either you dance on it or you lick it. Either way, you're fine. Um, so uh, don't do that, guys. Either one of those. Well, you can dance on a pole if you want. Well, just... unless you're willing to challenge Voldemort. Are you Harry Potter? So cool that this person did this in an hour and they made 480 euro. Uh, but yeah, creativity, like possibilities-based thinking, saying given, given the conditions of the game that I have in front of me right now, what would I love to create? Right? Absolutely. The conditions of the game. And I would even up-level the question that I presented in Austria, if that yeah. was the question, yeah. which is if I could make X amount of extra income in an hour, in a day, certain timeline, certain amount of income, and it could just say like five-figure income or four-figure or three-figure, two-figure, whatever, in this certain amount of time, what could I possibly do to make that happen? That would also be inspiring and be really fun for me. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so I say that because I don't say the easy part because I don't, this is a deep belief I have about like the universe and how it works, mm -hmm. which is if you do things that are very easy to do, sometimes that will be rewarded. But if you do things that are inspiring to do, whether it's easy or hard, mm -hmm. that might be a better word to focus on is like, I'm up till midnight editing every night right now, mm -hmm. doing these little clips, doing these little bits and pieces and 
putting the music to them and all this stuff because I'm so inspired by it. It's very easy for me to stay up till midnight doing it. You're inspired by the process or by the outcome? or By, by the process. By the process, okay. Yeah, like whether or not people see it, it doesn't seem to bother me. And I, this is, I don't, how many videos have I made? Like 500, 600 videos, I don't even know. Yeah. Many, many videos. And if I get one comment on the video where it was like really meaningful for someone, um, even if it's just the person that I was doing the interview with, like yeah. Ashley was like, oh my God, this is so amazing. And I'm like, that was it for me. That's kind of it for me. What do you love about the process? What, what like when you sit there and think what about it until midnight it? and like doing all the things? I love music okay. for one. That's true. You do love music. And I mean like, I was a classical musician, right? So I really, I love like my big headphones yeah. and just exploring. Mm. I love going to these YouTube subscribe uh, for creator music websites. And, and I like literally part of my self-care, self-love, which is gonna be the April challenge, might be the May challenge, we might do two months of money, I'm not sure yet. Yeah. But when we get to that self-love one, one of my self-love habits is to go and find music for mm -hmm. YouTube videos. Because when I listen to music, I see videos. And I see how I can put that into stories and vlogs and whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And it just makes me smile. Like 15 seconds in, put my headphones on, click on a track, I start smiling. Interesting. See, I, I, that's something that I think is really important to, to unpack and talk about because there's, I feel like what you're saying, and I've seen this with other companies that have been really successful, and I even see it in, in myself when I'm aware of this, is to recognize that the, the companies that we have and the businesses we run and the work that we do is actually oftentimes just a, a disguise and a vehicle for the thing we actually love. And so for you, like if you love music, then creating amazing videos to support the music you love is like a great disguise. Like I'm, so I'm really like, you're really an audiophile who has disguised yourself as a video person. Correct. Right. And I love that. Right. And like, for me, like I realized for me, I, I am a, a vehicle to remove suffering that masks as a coach. Right. I don't really care about like coaching stuff. And I say that I've been saying this a lot more lately and I really, I truly shouldn't say this because I'm, I'm working primarily with coaches on building their businesses, I don't really care about their businesses being built. I want them to be happy. I want them to be fulfilling heirs, right? Whatever that means for them. But all I know is that if I can somehow remove some of the suffering that they feel around that process and they feel confidence or they feel joy or they feel optimism or they feel excitement or they feel enthusiasm, that's actually what I love to do for a living. That's the process I love is for people to be lit up. If I do that through the vehicle of helping them build their businesses, fine. If I do that through the vehicle of serving them coffee at Starbucks, fine. I just need to have that element for me where I'm doing that piece. And it sounds like for you, you need to have the element of music being a cornerstone of what you're doing or it's just not gonna have the same level of fulfillment. And to add to this example, I love this by the way, this is like so perfect because this really is what it, the road to becoming a fulfillionaire, mm -hmm. right? Is learning over time what pieces of what you're doing fill you up. Mm -hmm and then trying to make those pieces a bigger part of what you're doing, right? And the things will change too, it's seasonal, right? So music for me has not been seasonal. That's been a lifelong journey. Since I was 10 maybe, I've been playing music and then turned into a professional and all these other things and now music just has, I feel it in my bones, yeah. right? You hear that ringing? Now that you mentioned High it. High pitch? Interesting. I, did, I didn't before. But even that's really cool, right? Mm -hmm. Like the fact that like there was something that was present in the room that I didn't notice until you pointed it out. Mm -hmm. And then once you notice it, like you can't ignore it anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When you notice these things inside of you, they're like lighting you up. As soon as you see them, you can't ignore them <laughs> great anymore. Great tag, great tag. Boom. Yep. There are many things that light me up and fulfill me. 
doing the Your Friendly Neighborhood Fulfillioner posts really lights me up. Yeah. Could I do it all of the time and nothing else? I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think I have that much of the writing in me, but there is enough to be able to post a sizable amount of content every day. And I just love to sit there and write. And you know what I do while I write? I listen to music. Of course you do. And I listen to creator music. Right. And I find new stuff. Yeah. And so it's like a way where the music inspires so many things in me. And then when I'm sitting there editing, oh, this is the thing I was trying to get at. I grew up as a video gamer. So my parents got divorced when I was six. And then one of the first things we did when we moved out, I moved across the country from my mom, my dad, my brother, and I all slept in one bed. And we had like a laptop, but over time we upgraded, we got like our first apartment and then we got our first computers. And this is back in the day when like graphics were brand new. Like you could start to play on games where you could see characters and it was so exciting. I was like six, five, six, seven years old and we would play text-based games. Mm. So if you wanted to like attack a creature, you'd have to read the text and it would say, the creature is five feet in front of you. It is angry and attacking you. And you'd have to say like slash attack with plus two battle axe. Mm. And you'd have to type that in. And if you messed up a letter, it wouldn't do it. Mm. And the creature is attacking you in, right. in real time, yeah. right? So you're having to type all the actions and it's really intense as a, as a kid. Yeah. And so when graphics came out, it was amazing because then you could like click one button and it would attack and there'd be these like shortcuts and now it's, it's so much different, right? But the important part is I grew up sitting in front of a computer for 12 hours a day, video gaming on my breaks. And then when I would get home, I'd do like, I actually wouldn't do my homework, but I would just game for like four to six hours when I wasn't doing music stuff. Yeah. And so... When I got older, I didn't want to play video games. I kind of started getting out of it maybe around 20 years old, 21 years old. And I was like, I got to get my life together. I need to get a career. I need to get skills. I want to have girls in my life. I want to be able to take them out. Right? Multiple. Be... You couldn't just have one girl. You need to have many, multiple girls. Many women. Many women. Many got women. It, Unfortunately, it. I was never that cool Same. that I was like with many women at Same. one time. Same. But I had the idea that I would be. It's a great idea. It didn't work. I love it. And so I... I really like knew that I had this skill set of being able to sit in front of a computer and enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And I had this craving from being, I mean, literally since I was like maybe eight years old to 20 years old, I gamed all the time. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that that was something that brought me joy. And as I started to pick apart, what are the things that bring me joy about that? The focus, the concentration, the skill development. And I asked myself, what are other things that are valuable to the world that have that? And I said, video editing. No way. That was the connection. That was the connection. Wow. And I loved movies. And when I was a little kid, I used to say I wanted to be the CEO of the Walt Disney Company, films in particular. Yep. And I said I wanted to be the president of the U.S. And so for me, sitting at the desk and editing until midnight brings that fulfillment from my childhood into something that the world values that can bring lots of value to people. And so... I wonder for you growing up, like what was the thing that you loved the most? Yeah, that's easy for me. It always comes back to this. It's performing, right? Because like I always say, go back to when you were a kid and look at what it is you got love and approval for or what it is you got in trouble for and you'll find your genius zone, right? What did you get in trouble for? Uh, being class clown, being center of attention, talking too much, making jokes, doing all the things. Uh, doing all the things that now separate me from other people in my industry and is the core of what I love to do. So 
the performance element has always been there. So whether it was me being, again, like the class clown, or I would be the kid that like when family dinners would happen, I would set up like a lip sync of like some song and make my cousins do it with me. We'd do a whole performance in the living room because I wanted to see people smile. And, and that's always what it's been for me, man. And it's not, and I guess it's actually, I, I need, to, I need to, to, to challenge that even because it's more specific than that. It's not, it's not performance for performance sake. It's performance for, the, for impact sake, right? So, cause you were saying like, if you put out a video and only one person comments, you're fine with that. Cause it was the process for me. I need that feedback loop because then it means I'm doing the work that I feel I'm meant to be doing. I'm helping the free people from suffering. I'm helping to instill more joy. And if I don't have that feedback loop, then I don't know. Uh, and that's, that's one of the reasons I, uh, it's probably one of the reasons I never realized this till now. It's probably one of the reasons that I focus so much on Facebook live instead of pre-recorded video, because there is a built-in feedback loop in that moment with people responding and engaging and everything else. So. I'm sure there's some level of ego in that. There's ego in everything, but I mean, there's some level of ego. My whole thing, my whole relationship with ego is, uh, you know, Tanya from my team, she has a sweater that says, uh, uh, your ego is not your amigo, right? And she wore it one day to an event we were doing together. And I was like, I don't know if I agree with your sweater. And she's like, I don't know if I agree with it either. Because to me, if, if your ego channels you into purposeful service, amazing. Like there are some people that do things from their ego and it actually hurts other people. It doesn't actually, it doesn't add to humanity at all. It takes away from humanity. For me, everything I do that fulfills my ego has two X or more return on the people who are experiencing it from what I actually experience. So for me, I'm, I've gotten to a point where I don't demonize my ego anymore. I lean fully into it and realize like that's how I serve best is when I'm also filling my ego with the same kind of things. Alan Watts is one of my favorite philosophers of same. all time. Yeah. And Can we interview silly. him as a hologram? Can we figure oh, that out? Oh, that'd be so good. We could, we, I actually, you know what? I actually have a strategy for this. Okay. And, I think we should do that. One of my favorite uh, distinctions from him that I talk about all the time is, is uh, serious versus sincere, right? So when I talk about like living a not so serious life and people are like, oh, so you're supposed to like throw water balloons at people and like just get drunk all day, like just play around and do whatever. I'm like, no, no, no. The difference here, the opposite of serious is you can be sincere. You want to be devoted and like pour all of your love and attention and your energy into the thing in front of you. We just don't want to make it as significant, as serious, as heavy as we make it sometimes. I know I do this as well. I mean, this is the reason I do this work in the world and you know me well, you've seen me at my highest and my, and my lowest. The reason I do this work in the world with trying to help people be more playful or more joyful is because it's the thing I most need the reminder of myself. Right. So that distinction from, from Alan, the sincere versus serious is one that I always think about. And it's, it's, you still want to be super purposeful. Just like you were saying with like the virus, well, do I still keep taking steps going forward? Yeah. That's sincerity, right? You're sincere, you're sincere about your path and you're also aware of what's going on around you. Hmm. There's two things now. Yeah. I'd love where this is going. If you're sitting at home right now and you're in quarantine from the Voldemort virus, Take the time to think about this and, and maybe pull out a journal, a pen and paper, and look at what were your childhood insecurities, traumas, wounds. For me, it was connection. I felt very abandoned. I didn't I wasn't able to keep friends. We moved a lot. And even the friends that I did have like bullied me or beat me up and things like that. I didn't feel very connected, I didn't feel very understood. I now realize that no one will ever really understand you, and that's okay. And secondly, um, that I felt like I was never going to quote unquote live up to my potential, which I know is a pretty common thing. Yeah. It was so extreme for me that when I was a camp coach for a motivational speaker, when I was 18, 19, when we would do the uh, coaching stuff to get all the coaches ready to go for the kids that were going to come in. Mm -hmm. And they said, what's your biggest fear? I would actually cry. Mm -hmm. I'd break down every time this question was asked. Cause I'd be like, then I'm just not going to live up to my potential. Mm -hmm. 
And I've now turned both of those things into the silver linings of my whole life. Mm. Some of the most fulfilling things, which is bringing people together because I have the understanding that everyone feels not understood and lonely because you will never truly be understood by another person. The only person that will understand you is you. And once you can recognize that, you can recognize that in others and you can honor that in everyone that you meet. And that's why people, I hope, feel so welcome around me. Because I'm like, no, I recognize that I I will never fully understand you, but I can empathize. And I can help you know that I'm just gonna put wind in your sails. I'm not gonna try to pull you back from anything. I'm gonna say, run into that wall as hard as you can, as fast as you can. Because one day these walls are gonna break. And I don't know where that wall is for you. I might have hit that wall and not been able to break it, but you might. And I've seen that so many times. I had friends that were living in their in-laws basement, right? Mm -hmm. And they were in debt, hadn't paid taxes in years. Mm -hmm. And then now they're making millions and millions of dollars every year. How did I know that that transformation could happen in one, two, it happened in two years for him. And it's just these types of scenarios happen again and again in life. I'm like, I don't know where the walls are. I don't know where the limitations are. So I'm not going to put them on anyone else. I'm just going to put wind in their sails and let them run. And then second thing. So this is the at-home exercise, by the way. Figure out what those are. For me, it was connection and living up to my potential. For connection, I've formed a group of people called the Avengers. I'm a community hub. People are at my house all the time. It's one of my favorite things is to have people coming in and out. You wonder why I have an interview show and like a vlog where I feature all my friends. is because connection and helping other people get seen and heard and recognized and understood is so awesome for me because I want everyone to learn from these beautiful people that I have as my close friends. And then second thing for me was the living up to my potential. And what I realized is that was a deficiency in my fulfillment. Mm. Thinking that living up to my potential was reaching a status of greatness in my life, financial terms in popularity, right? In fame. And I realized that that will never be the end. There will never be a level where that will be enough. So the only enoughness for me is going to have to be, do I feel like I'm living up to my own potential? Am I challenging myself? Am I happy with myself? And the interesting part about that is nothing needs to change for you to feel fulfilled about your potential. Mm. You don't have to do anything. You just have to recognize that if you're not filled up now, you never will be. Mm. And so do it now and you'll be able to push yourself so much harder when you're happy with yourself. I love that. And then the part about Alan Watts is he has this idea of like ego Mm -hmm. is very healthy. And instead of trying to diminish who you are, who you like to be, the awesomeness, the arrogance, the all of that, the confidence in yourself, expand it. Mm -hmm. Expand it so that it encompasses everyone. Therefore, Jason Goldberg's success, notoriety, his fulfillment is mine. Mm -hmm. Ashley Stahl's success, notoriety, and fulfillment is mine. If I can play a role in your success and your fulfillment in anyone's, it is reflective of my own. And so he says, expand your ego to everything and then you won't have to worry about taking your own. You'll worry about putting wind in everyone's sails because you know it is part of you. I love that. And I've heard this before. I don't remember who said it. Help, help other people get whatever they want and you'll always get whatever it is that you want. Help people get more of what they want in the world and you'll always get what you want. And it's not like a, because I did this for you, do this for me. It's an energetic thing, it's a relationship thing, but like, yeah, if you do that, you really, you really will. Like if you focus on other people getting whatever it is they want, you will be rewarded. You'll get what you need. I did two health challenges, yep. January, February, right? And crush them. And crush them. Yes. 
and I knew that health would be the easiest thing uh, to target. I already had a good amount of self-care and self-love kind of baked in. I knew the health practices were going to add to that. I think self-love maybe comes at the foundation. Like if you don't love yourself, if you don't want yourself to be better, to live a better life, to be happier, it's really hard to do anything. So if you're starting at a place where you don't love yourself, maybe work on that to at least a level where you think you should be healthier. Mm -hmm. For me, I started at health because I knew getting more energy, a better ability to focus, better consistency in my mood, Mm -hmm. and then just feeling good about my body was gonna help me do everything else a lot more. And I also knew I needed to do it twice, two different health challenges, 10 day ones, Mm -hmm. just to make sure I got to the level. And now I'm like really happy with how, I mean, like it's crazy how much I have focus ability, the ability to like keep my mood really high all the time, even with all this stuff going on, right? And then my energy levels, like I just, I can't nap. I like lay down to try to nap and my body's like, nah, nah, I'm, I'm here. That's awesome. Yeah. And so now with the money challenge, it's been fascinating because I don't think if, if I hadn't done the health challenges, I don't think I'd be surviving this money challenge right now, only because I feel such inspiration to be involved in the stock market. And it's just so up and down and wild right now that it's like, it's stressful. Yeah. It's stressful, not to the point where it's like degrading my, my health or anything, but I'm very focused on it. Mm-hmm. And I wanna make sure everyone in the group has an idea of like what's going on. So I'm really trying to consume a lot of information on it. And it's fascinating to get to live through this for future reference, because this happens like once every five to 10 years, right? So being able to monitor like every recession, quote unquote, is like a black swan event, right? Yeah. This is always something we've never experienced, which is fascinating to me. It's, I mean, history repeats itself to some extent, mm-hmm. But uh, to my knowledge, in my lifetime, there's never been a bear market turn because of a virus and quarantine right. zones right. Uh, in in the Western world. Right. Yeah. It's uh and, and so yeah so it's so it's like we said be hyper aware and also remember there was something I remember hearing in grad school from my my economics professor was he said economists have successfully predicted 27 of the last two recessions. <laughs> so. So just something to keep in mind yep. that it is all cyclical and there has never been anything as, well, I, I guess I won't say as a world, but at least as a nation, there's never been anything that we've gone through that we haven't gotten through, mm-hmm. right? And, and I think that applies to probably any developed nation as well. I'm trying to be as sensitive as possible to the fact that I don't know how a lot of other nations work and so I, I don't want to be culturally insensitive. I, I want to be insensitive in other ways, just not culturally. Um, and so, uh, so for me, I just feel like that's, we've always gotten through stuff and this may be a tough one economically and from a health perspective, but we're going to get through it. Absolutely. Yeah. So when I asked you to come and do an interview, you were like, you know, I feel like I could do self love, self, self care, mm-hmm. you know, and you've done a lot of work on that. Yeah. Obviously you're a pretty healthy guy as yeah. well. You also do pretty well financially. Could I ask what would be like your top one or two tips on health, on money and on self love? Yeah, totally. Okay, health, money, and self-love. Um, health, <laughs> uh, for me, it's really important that whatever uh, um, physical stuff that I'm doing, physical activity stuff, it has to be something I enjoy. Because if I force myself to like do a workout just so I can say I did a workout, I will just not go. Um, and so one of the things I've, I've really gotten um, clear on, and actually you really helped me on this. Now that I think about this, this is really, really helpful. I used to have this belief that all of my workouts had to kick my ass. And like that I would just, I had to be done. And I actually, I was driving yesterday, and this is no offense to CrossFitters. CrossFitters, I, I know you guys get offended easily. Um, do you know the joke about how do you know if somebody does CrossFit? 
that they don't shut up about CrossFit. You, you just talk to them for five seconds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so you'll, you'll find out. So no offense, CrossFitters, just kidding. Super jealous of your aptitude. Uh, but I, I was driving home yesterday and I saw like one of these like CrossFit places where people like work out outdoors and stuff. And I just see somebody like doubled over in pain. Like they, you can tell they are struggling. And I'm like, God, that, I mean, maybe he enjoys it and that's fine. The reason I say that is because you were the one who told me, I think it was actually we were in London. This is after, after Croatia because we've been in like 13 different countries together, uh, where you said something to the effect of like, I, I work out for longevity purposes, right? So that doesn't mean like the workouts always have to be this like crazy run where at the end you just like can't even catch your breath because it's so hard. Or like you worked out so hard that you literally can't move your arms for three days. Maybe you have those once in a while, fine. But you shifted my lens on that. So that, that's actually my number one tip is gonna be a tip I learned from you was realize that you're working out so that when you're 80, you can still do the things that you do when you're 40, right? So that, that's been a big one for me on the health side. Um, Self-love side, I would say it's priming. Uh, not the, not, yeah. Uh, so it, it's priming. And so for me, that, like, that looks like every morning having some kind of routine that involves, number one, not touching my phone for at least the first hour of the day. I used to roll over and write on it, responding to things. And I was like, no big deal. I'm just getting to work. I'm, do you have I'm any tricks for that? Uh, I mean, I just don't take my phone off airplane mode until the first hour of the day is gone. Do you like keep it in like a, a lock or a vault that you mm -hmm. need to like? <laughs> I probably should, uh, but or at least like an, an anti-contamination unit right now. Uh, but no, I just I leave it. It's next next to the bed, but it's on it's on airplane mode, and I just don't I don't touch it. And that's actually been a beautiful thing with like Alexa, because like for example, in the morning sometimes if I'm like cold and I'm lazy, then I would get on my phone and then go on the Nest app and turn on my heat. But now Alexa can do that for me so I can leave my phone in airplane mode. So I'm like trying to figure out how I can leverage technology to not be a slave to technology, which has been interesting. So yeah, so having that morning routine. And so for me, that does involve some kind of reading, even if it's for 10 minutes. Like I, I, like, I like books that have short chapters so I can feel accomplished. Like I just read a whole chapter, but the whole chapter is like five pages. Uh, so some kind of reading, um, some kind of journaling. Uh, and whether that's a journal that I, typically my, my journaling, I call my morning dump. Uh, and because it's my morning dump of like thoughts and whatever else get to get it out of my head and get it on paper. Cause I typically wake up with a lot of, a lot of thinking about what needs to be done for the day. And like, you know, even some catastrophic thing like, Oh wow, I just realized I didn't do this thing. And what if this launch doesn't go well and all this stuff. And it's like, okay, I got to get this out of my head and on paper, just morning dump. And so that's a big, a big thing. And then some form of, of meditation. And again, it can be 10 minutes. It doesn't have to be a huge thing and it can be, and I switch it up. Sometimes it's mantra based. Sometimes it's just sitting in stillness. Uh, sometimes it is uh, doing something like six phase meditation from vision, like all these different things. So having that morning routine to prime me for the day, especially I feel like because the profession I'm in, it's a lot of giving to others and holding space for others and being able to, uh, being able to make sure that my stuff doesn't infect my work with them is super, super important. So that's, that's a health thing for me. Uh, sorry, a self-love thing for me. And then a money thing, I, you know, for me, I am just, and I don't know if this is again, just uh, in response to how I was raised and wanting to do things differently than what I saw growing up. But for an entrepreneur, I am extremely uh, fiscally conservative. And, and, and there are people that like, as soon as they make money, either they spend it, which is on them, that's fine. Or as soon as they make money, they like reinvest it in their business and that's fine. And they never have like any kind of like nest egg of any kind. And I will say like, I'm not great with investment stuff. I haven't really got into investment stuff, but as far as like cash on hand, I try to be very conservative with that because if I have that, then when a catastrophe, if a catastrophe strikes, or if there's the fear of a catastrophe that leads to a mini catastrophe, I don't have to be as worried about, well, where, how am I going to pay my bills if I can't sell anything for the next six months? 
I have that taken care of and, and it's good to go. So what that means for me is I'm not big on buying stuff. Uh, my, if you look at where the majority of my money goes, it's gonna be like eating out with friends or like you know doing an experience of some sort, but it's not stuff. Uh, so really figure out what's important to you money-wise and, and understand that like where you put your dollars, they always say like, if, you, if I look at your calendar and I look at your bank account, I can tell what you care about, right? So, so making sure that like I'm putting aside the money I need to put aside so I feel safe and then only spending the other money that I have on stuff that experientially makes me feel connected and makes me feel good. Beautiful, beautiful, I love it. And so one last question yeah. for you that I um, am very excited to hear the answer about. What has been the most challenging and the greatest blessing story from your life thus far? Mm. The most challenging thing that now you see as a blessing. Yeah, this is where I, I call, uh, what's the situation that had you go from F you to thank you? Mm. Right, like in the moment it was a total F you and now it's like, oh, thank you. Uh, there's so many of them, but I think the one that, the one that comes to mind uh, probably has to be the end of my marriage and being together for 12 years, and obviously you know the story really well, but you know, having my, my wife basically break up with me over FaceTime when I was 2,000 miles away on business and I wasn't gonna be back for another week to even like talk it out and she moved out while I was gone and this is the person that I had planned to spend my entire life with and nobody had done anything wrong. There wasn't anything wrong in the relationship, at least not that I thought. Uh, now I'm getting more and more clear on, on the fact that there wasn't something wrong but there was something missing and I'm happy to share that. Um, but that was something where Everything that I thought was at the core of my life and my, my, the constant in my life and the predictability of my life and the safety of my life was ripped out from underneath me, like in a, in a moment's notice. And the amount of fear I had of what it would take for me to rebuild, to not have this person with me who had been with me for 12 years. Like we got together when I was 25 years old. Like I was a kid, I was in college, like it's crazy. And, and even the financial stuff, you know, I was, I was building my business and, and we had had a thing where in the beginning she was in school and I was in corporate and so I took care of everything and I did that for probably three quarters of our relationship. And then when we switched over to entrepreneurship, we had, you know, a nest egg that we had saved and then we were kind of doing more with her income. And so all of a sudden I like just had everything shaken up. And I remember the day after this happened, I had to fly from, I was in Denver when we broke up over FaceTime and then I had to fly the next day to Utah to do a keynote. And the day after that to LA to be at a conference and speak for three days. And then two days after that, I had to do, or the next day after that, I had to do a two day one-on-one -on -one intensive with a client all while my life is falling apart back home and I can't get back, right? And so the, there was this interesting moment where when I went to the, uh, the airport in Denver to fly to Utah, I didn't buy a coffee because I was so like unsettled about what my life was gonna look like financially and just, I was so, I was in such a scarcity mindset, I didn't buy a $4 cup of coffee. Wow. Like it was that bad for me in that moment. I, it just, it was catastrophic for me. And, and what I learned in that entire process, so for those next five days that I had to go and like perform and do all the things that we were just talking about that light me up, no matter how much it lights you up, I mean, if you feel like something devastating is happening, it can be hard to show up that way. And so I challenged myself and I said, for the next five days, can I channel every bit of pain that I'm feeling right now into the service of others? So every time I wanna like get into a pity party or be sad or whatever, just for these next five days, I'm not spiritually bypassing, I'm not, not dealing with my stuff, I'm not pushing it down and not processing it. For these next five days, can I channel all of my pain into the love and service of others? And I did it and it was amazing and it taught me so much about myself. And then I came home and I had to deal with all the stuff and, and process all my feelings. And now I can, I can absolutely say, uh, coming up on three years later after this happened, 
this was such a blessing for me because my time with my ex was so beautiful for both of us. She helped me heal things for me. I helped her heal things for her. People come into your life for a reason, a season or a lifetime. She was there for a reason and a very long season. And I'm so grateful for that. And it became very evident to me once I started processing this, that she was not the person that was going to be with me in this next chapter. She just wasn't necessarily equipped, may not be the right word, willing, wired, whatever it is. She's great, nothing wrong with her, but she wasn't gonna be the person for me. That breakup led me to leave everything I knew behind on the East Coast and move to LA in like three weeks time to create a whole new community of people that have just welcomed me in and loved me to grow my business eightfold probably for in the last three years, 8X, just year over year, continue to grow, got me clearer on my purpose, got me healthier than I've ever been, had me meet people and be in relationship with people that I would have never had the opportunity to be in relationship with. And now I'm realizing like, oh, this thing where we say everything is a gift and Steve Chandler, my coach and, and somebody who I just absolutely love and has been a mentor for years, he always talks about like, you know, people say like, oh, it's a gift, right? And when you're in it, you're like, this does not feel like a gift. He said, no, 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 but people get that wrong. It's like somebody gives you a gift in a box that's wrapped and then you put it in the closet and forget about it. And then three years later, you're cleaning out your closet. You go, oh, what is this thing? And you open it up and go, oh, what an amazing gift. It's not a real time thing where you open it, somebody gives it to you, you open it and you go, oh, this is amazing. You're like, no, this sucks in the moment. But at some point you're gonna open that box that you've probably forgotten about and say, oh my God, what an amazing gift. I would not be here had it not been for that. So that's been a big one for me that allowed me to reinvent myself in a whole new way and step into my own leadership in a whole new way. And I'm super grateful. That's definitely an F you to thank you moment for me, for sure. Amazing, yeah. amazing. Yeah. I, I lied, I have one more question. Cool, I love it. For the audience that's watching, and for everyone who sees this. There's somebody watching this? Uh, Dude, live, you said this is just live. me and you. Yeah, yeah, it's a studio audience. They're sitting on the patio. You told me that was a fake camera. This is the second time you've done that. Oh, First, there sorry. was a time where you had me dress up and, never mind, sorry. If they love you, and I'm sure they will, Please how can they? Me. How can they support you? Uh, so you can find me on all the social channels uh, except for TikTok. Don't follow me on TikTok. I got nothing there. Uh, but a TikTok flip flop. I don't. I don't have any of those. Uh, Instagram and Facebook uh, at the Jason Goldberg. T H E the the or the Jason Goldberg because Jason Goldberg was taken, and so I went with the most pretentious thing I could find. The Jason Goldberg. Uh, so you can find me on Instagram and uh, the stuff I'm working on that people can support me on. Like, dude. I just wanna, I wanna do more of this performance. I wanna do more of this like freeing people from suffering. I wanna do more of this, um, you know, edutainment kind of thing that you and I are always talking about. And so the way you can support that audience at home is to support people who create edutaining content, support people like Skip, support people like me, because the more we can have these messages put out into the world where things don't have to be as serious or dire as we think they do, uh, and we can actually be entertained while we learn, I just think that has a ripple effect and implications for our entire society that we can't even we can't even measure at this point. So that's the way to support it. Just support this kind of content so that it becomes more popular in the mainstream. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. So something I would like to share: every interview, aside from you, that I do, I preface with two things that you know very well about me, but I figured I would share because they don't usually get to hear me say this to the guests. Like we sit down, the first thing I tell them, two things. Number one we could die an hour after this interview. It's highly possible that things can happen beyond our control. And this may be one of the last things we ever get to share, teach with the world. And so thinking about that, letting that sink in, be like, cool, this needs to change people's lives. Whatever we're about to do needs to be that level of impact. And it, and it pulls them into a place where like, oh, wow. Okay, let's, let's really do this, take this seriously. And then I say, but I also believe we're floating on a rock in space 
a tiny little molecule and we might be in a computer simulation. So don't take anything too seriously. And so, you know, let's just have fun with it. But also know you could die soon. Yeah. But let's have fun with it. And then I asked them the first question. I love that. This is, this is the kind of mixed messages that make it very hard for men to date.